0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night Sound Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. Marler. Who is more back? Healthy Saban, or you believing that Bama is going to win it all? Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, Uh, okay. So, healthy
1: Saban, yeah. Uh, I mean, Clemson. Did you see what Clemson did yesterday? Clemson had a punter throw for 13 yards in the second half, and 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 that was more than Georgia Tech threw for in the second half. Sick brag, Clemson. Sick brag. <laughs> hey, so I, real, real quick, I, like because obviously I watched the first half, part of the first half of that game because of the betting stuff that I I had mentioned beforehand, and, and that if you were nervous about that that hook on 14 points, make it 14 and a half. They won 52 to seven uh, at halftime, and so I was talking to one of our friends in the neighborhood who's a big Tech fan, and she missed the game, and she was like. What happened? I was like, I was. Did you not see the score? And I was like, she's like, no. I was like, seventy-three to seven. She was like, why would they run the score up on us like that? And I was like, well, actually, they, <laughs> they put a putter in a quarterback, and he couldn't stop it. So anyway, but yeah, Saban, Saban healthy, da- Saban dancing back. Love it,
0: man. Whew. Not only did Saban test negative three consecutive times, uh, five total tests, I believe it was taken by separate labs. They mm-hmm. rushed to to Mobile, and then they came back and. And, and Saban is able to coach when the last time we talked, we're like, Saban tested positive for COVID. And right. as it turns out with those, with those false tests after that, that it was a false positive. Saban gets to coach that game, which is good all around just because either way, no matter how that game turned out, you didn't want that sort of what no. if. And we did not have any sort of what if on Saturday night. Alabama rolls to a, a, a big big time victory against Georgia, and we're gonna get to all of that, yeah. all of that because we have all sorts of takes on that. But we're gonna go through every ICC game, and yeah. I promise you, there are no shortage of Sunday apologies today. We had like little things that are lost in the shuffle on a day like that, which what like I, I hope, yeah, I hope we get to because yesterday was the type of day that you kind of go into and you're like, oh wait a minute. All of these games are single-digit spreads, right? And the day and actually, rivalries,
1: technically, well, not all of them, but yeah, uh, Kentucky, uh, well, Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I mean, not really a rivalry when you win yeah. thirty-three of thirty-five, but we yeah. had long-time streaks that came to an end. Yeah, with that, of course, with South Carolina against <gasps> Auburn, it was a it was a very entertaining day. Yeah. I think from like start up until the fourth quarter of the Bama Georgia game which ended up being much more lopsided it did not turn into the 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 2019 LSU Alabama game which was what I was kind of hoping for but well, it was a really good day overall that. i thought it was better than that game i why, why would you why would you think it's better than that game overall no no
1: because like that that Bama LSU game Bama fumbles in the first drive and was playing behind the whole time and and it was okay, that's close fair. but like you know, it was a five-point loss. They were losing by 12 with a minute to go. Um, they put up a bunch of yards. I mean, Tua, I think Tua was under 50% completion percentage that day. I, I, I just think this game for for almost 45 minutes and some stuff happened at the end and there's a lot of stuff that I, I think – I maintain this from last night. And, and Georgia fans, a lot of you – I know that when Bama loses, it's the highest – The amount of listeners we get on this podcast, and I understand why, and and I get why you want to beat Bama so badly, and and, and last night was frustrating. There's a lot of positive takeaways to take from Georgia last night. Like, a lot of positive.
0: We will definitely get to to all those, talk some big picture with Georgia, with Bama, with the rest of the SEC. Very news-heavy day in the SEC. We also find out last night that Dan Mullen tested positive for covid an outbreak within the program has now impacted the SEC schedule. We've got some shuffling of the schedule. We've yeah. only got four SEC games next week to guess. That lines for. That's it's, it's a bummer, but there's actually some pretty good storylines that I've already started to look at that excite me. Yeah. So we'll get to all of that stuff. But Marler, yesterday, had myself a little Texas Pete lunch. You know how I am about my routine. Once I get in my routine, I can't get off it. Yeah. And yesterday was a perfect example of not wanting to stray from that. I'm like, hey, it's been a weird week, but I need that constant in my life. Tell us about our friends at Texas Pete.
1: I hate to say this, and you guys know how much I love Texas Pete. I didn't have a single drop of Texas Pete yesterday. What? Yesterday. Because, Connor, you're going up against a number three team in America that you're losing at halftime to, that you've, li- you've lived in the state your whole life, and I, I, I abandoned my game plan much like Kirby did in the second half. I abandoned yes. my game plan of getting Texas Pete putting it in my body at breakfast, lunch and dinner. So when I say I didn't have any during the day, I didn't because I was too nervous to eat. However, that post-game victory meal. Oh, that post-game victory meal. What'd you have? Shoveling a burger, uh, two donuts, uh, some uh, sweet potato like like almost like like potato fries, but they were sweet. they weren't fries. They were like they they almost like like uh, baked sweet potatoes. No. Like cut into fries. Yeah, okay. not cut into fries, but like almost like a... Like an oven roasted? Like hash browns would, would look like, but not but not hash browns, like like breakfast potatoes. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah, not explaining this all at all, but I was eating with my hands, bottom line. Um, and, and, and all of it, besides the donuts, were just doused in Texas Pete. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And and I tell you what, yesterday we gave away some tailgating kits, some homegating kits for Texas Pete, and, and you guys... Don't listen to the spread that I just laid out for you, because all of you are fancier than I am. But uh, hopefully you are following along yesterday on social media with our good friends Texas Pete, because we'll be doing this uh, throughout the year, giving away home-gating kits, um, because there's nothing like tailgating, and there's nothing like Texas Pete. And you put the two together, mm, it's like a Mac Jones, a Jalen Waddell touchdown. It's beautiful. So make sure you go to get some Texas Pete today. And the coolest part is, we've talked about this before, you guys know I'm deep in the Texas Pete game. But there's stuff in this damn tailgating kit i didn't even know about okay like salsa which i'm all on board for and, and i need a jar asap so make sure you go to texaspeak.com uh today and go look at some recipes and also uh follow the th- the thread on social media with the hashtag homegating with texaspeak
0: there's a lazy takeaway for george alabama and yep. i want to avoid it uh, me too. The lazy
1: take <laughs> there, there's a
0: few probably the lazy takeaway from that game is well. Can I say? As soon, it? go ahead, go ahead, because it might be different than what the refs.
1: Time. The refs gave Bam of the game. The pass interference call turned the changed the entire game.
0: Oh no 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 no! I I disagree with that. Just because that was a bad call. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Georgia got robbed on that. There's no doubt about it. That's just that's hand fighting. Gene Steratore came on. Yep. I was like, no, that shouldn't be a penalty. Georgia didn't score in the second half, so I don't exactly. want to sit here and pretend like there's a difference between a field goal and a touchdown when you don't score a point in the second half. Now. Thank you. The lazy takeaway that I think people can have if they just look at this game for the weekend as a whole is, well, as soon as Saban was rocking the suit on college game day and Tom Rinaldi had the little twinkle in his eye and you could just (laughs) tell that Saban was going to be coaching in this game. Saban's not dressed up in a suit. If he's sitting around at home on a Saturday, that wasn't going to happen. And there's people who are just going to look at that and say, well, as soon as he was ready to go – it was over. Shut it down. Oh, okay. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. That belief that like as soon as Bama got that word, it was an emotional win. There was nothing that was going to get in their way. Yeah, I haven't heard that that narrative. Well, I think I think if we if we hear some of the some of the Monday stuff, yeah, right. That, maybe that's not not as early on. You know, we're recording right. this on Sunday morning. This was a, a good competitive back and it's forth f- game f- f- for a, a while. Game. It was, it was phenomenal. Awesome. I found myself at halftime saying, I'm bummed that we only get one more half of this because it's been so good so far. And it didn't feel like Bama came out of the gates storming, ready to go, riding yeah, this emotional high. I mean, like, not 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 completely. It, to a certain extent, yes. But the first play from scrimmage with Mac Jones where he gets decked in the back from, oh, from Aziz, O'Ju- Aziz O'Ju-Lari, O'Ju-Lari, Yeah. And then Richard LeCount has has the pick, which I don't know if he <laughs> no, tried to so, what
1: and yeah. George was ready. It was it was an incredible game, and, and I said this repeatedly. It was everything that I think people wanted that twenty eleven Bama LSU game, the game of the century, to be. Mm, this was yeah. it for for at least forty two minutes. It was exactly that. And, and listen, I I know that that score is what it is, and I have said repeatedly to friends and family that are close by how how I feel, how excited I am, the jubilation I feel from from that win. And it, like you listen, like it that's looks a big like big word on, for you, on, jubilation. The, like, there you I'm, go. I'm smart sometimes. Some, I, I don't show it on this <laughs> podcast ever. I just like constantly trying to sound out words. Anyway, uh, by the way, last week the word I was looking for was safety net, and I said something. I was like, I was like, you know, when you have like leniency, and you you said something else. I was like, yep, that's it. That's not what it was. Anyway, it was safety net. I couldn't think of that. Regardless, okay. this game was. I thought everything that 2011 game like should have been. It was, it was an incredible back and forth, and it, it really, I think, showcased the matchup really, really well. Georgia's defense and, and like the, the difficulties they, they pose on another offense, and then Bama's offense, and how it is not able to be stopped by, by even the best defense in the country. Yeah, and, that's, and it was, y- agreed. And not saying that it won't be, but I mean, like, I had no idea that Najee Harris— I, I didn't think Najee Harris—he had more yards in the first quarter I thought he'd have all game. I thought he'd be held to 30 yards legitimately, because of how good that defense was. And both teams, I mean, it was like, Saban said it too, it was like a 15-round fight and going back and forth. I hate that the takeaway from some fans is going to be about the refs. And and I I don't think, it it shouldn't be, and I'm not saying this as a Bama fan because I've heard it a thousand times, and Georgia sports fans, I've lived here my whole life, and and you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway, it's not just Georgia, it's the Braves, the Falcons, it's always one thing or one person's fault. It's, ne- listen, like, it's always one thing or one person's fault. It's never the team. It's never, you know, and it's usually not the right person. God dang it, Bobo. I just thought yesterday was was a glimpse into what should be the first of three games against these two teams. Because I think these mm. two teams are clearly two of the top four teams in the country. And I'm assuming Ohio Agreed. State will be the other one. Clemson, and I'm sorry, Florida fans, but like... It looks like a clear top four right now. More than does, ever, I think. Right. And, and, I, and I also say, that being said, like we... Every single week, I feel like we have these big takeaways right. of, of what we think we know. And then the next week happens, we're like, what in the F is, is going on in the SEC? I, I thought this was by far, going into the game, said it with Candler Cook, our buddy who was there, that I, I thought these were the two best teams of the conference. And, and I was trying not to get myself up emotionally because of it. Because I know they're going to play again. And it was an incredible game. I think there were so many amazing parts of it that... That like like the interception from the from the from jump, um, was not how I thought that was going to go. Uh, Ooh, there was incredible play. plays. I mean, th- like they, they, like from a schematic standpoint, they they did things on offense even at times in the first half where it was like God, that's a great play. I tell you, you know who you know who absolutely nailed this is Mike Griffith. Mike Griffith talking about getting Kenny Milton involved and then talking about or Kendall Milton involved and then also he was on Finebaum last week and he was saying how. He thinks that he was going to see, you're going to see a lot more of at running back because of how dynamic he is. And his, his biggest takeaway was Bennett hadn't had a turnover yet. And, and would he still be able to, to leave Tuscaloosa with that on his nope. resume? And that did not happen. But, man, what a game. What a game. That's what I'll say from an analytical standpoint, and then I'll get into <laughs> the fan stuff Georgia,
0: later. Georgia does have some, someone, something to blame. It's the Alabama offense. Yep. This Alabama offense that we have said, look – You can try and say that it's just easy when you have Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, who Devontae Smith, I think, is still sort of underrated with some of the things that they were slowing down. Some of the things that they were slowing down with his route running is just out of this world. He feels like a really, really good NFL receiver who is coming back yeah. and playing in college football. At 175 like, that's pounds. That's how unfair it is to guard him. I don't know what Eric Stokes is supposed to do on that play in the, in, in the back of the end zone well, where Eric Stokes just has perfect coverage on that ball. Oh, not the, the play, where he, yeah. the the play yeah. where he got beat to the pylon. The play where he got beat to the pylon was an ugly look, and that wasn't Eric Stokes. I think that was I think that was Stevenson. Stevenson did not right. have the best night. But there were plays that they, that they made in this game where, man, that Georgia defense... I, I just, sometimes I, I just found myself saying, I don't know what you do. Because yep. Georgia would bring, they tried a variety of things. They're trying to bring seven guys they up front. They every and, down, it
1: seemed like. And Bam half. was
0: picking it up. And Alex Leatherwood is making these blocks yeah. that are going to be on his NFL draft film. And yet Mac Jones has this time to throw. And all of a sudden, you're just like, as soon as that blitz doesn't get home, you know it's over. Yeah. And you know Mac Jones is going to find a streaking Jalen Waddle or a John Mechie or Devontae Smith, whoever it is. And I looked at this as such a great strength-on-strength matchup and said, whoever is going to come out of this victorious, we're going to feel that much better about this unit, whether that's the Alabama offense or the Georgia defense. And I came away thinking the Alabama offense is the gold standard. And the Georgia defense, it could end up being historically good. It still could. Don't get me wrong. And there's something to be said for how good they've looked in the first three weeks, and it's not to take away from that. But you look at this Georgia defense, and you look at – Dating back to the start of 2019, they have faced two offenses that rank in the top 25 of scoring offenses. That, do you know who yeah. those, those offenses were? Bama and LSU. Bama and LSU. And how do they look against these offenses that have this spread? I don't want to say up-tempo, but spread modern offenses who actually have five-star skill players to be able to give the ball to. They looked much different. And the discipline that we've seen so many times Is it necessarily there? When you trip, when you're guarding Jalen Waddell on single coverage on the outside, that's a 90-yard touchdown every single time if you've got 90 yards to go, whatever it is. And I came away thinking, if this Georgia team is going to get to this level that it wants to get to, it just saw what the standard is and what is standing in the way of that. It's the Alabama offense, and it's the ways that they can beat you. That I think, if you came into this feeling really good about the Alabama Alabama offense, you came away from this game saying like, "Holy crap, yeah. this is this is even better than we were giving it credit for."
1: Yeah, and I think Saban brought up in the morning about how about having the balance, uh, which which I thought was key because I, I just thought we were going to have to throw the ball forty times a game. And, and I tell you what, I was I was nervous all week about this, and I, and I was wrong about a lot of stuff. Going in, I was also really right, I think, about a lot of oh, stuff. Oh, I was wrong too. about this, totally, but, by the but way. I, I like, I, I was nervous all week, and then Friday morning I woke up and I had this very, like, overwhelmingly, like, calming, confident feeling that, and, and I'm not saying this from an arrogant standpoint, but, but because I said on this podcast, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, and that honestly stands true for Ninety percent of UGA schedule and ninety oh, for of people, for Georgia. You're saying, yeah, it it, it, yeah, ninety ninety percent of the people that they're gonna play or could play in this country. It, uh, maybe honestly, maybe for all but three teams, right? Clemson, Ohio State, Bama. Maybe maybe that's true still. But I started thinking about this when you go to Alabama, and and people think like always that after because they gave up so many points last year, late in the year and they gave up so many points. To Ole Miss last week, and a lot of this was like because of that Ole Miss game. Like I, I don't think Ali. I think she must think I'm making up everything that happened last weekend when she was in the hospital with her appendix because I'm like, this defense was not here last week. This is not how this looked at all. But when you look at the times that Alabama's been beaten over the past decade, especially at home, it's taken a Heisman Trophy winner, it's taken a national champion like mm. like team, it's taken a GD miracle like a kick six, it's taken a it, like Manziel fumbling a bunch of you know times and still throwing a touchdown, getting a 21-0 lead. It's taken a lot of stuff, like the old Miss game. We had five turnovers, three of them inside of our twenty-five yard line. It's taken some big, big thing, right, to, to help aid in that. And I just kept thinking, like that defense is really good, but there's no way Stetson Effing Bennett is going to go into Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and walk out with a win. It's just not like like that. That kind of quarterback was not going to get it done. He did
0: some it, good things, though. He did, all,
1: like all things considered. He did. He I there was one play, and this was that, that whole. That whole game that I enjoyed, what I enjoyed so much about it was it was just best on best. Like, I mean, there was a there was a throw in the the Devonta Smith play where he came back to the ball. By the way, most impressive one of the biggest plays that night. There was a play that Setson Bennett he he threw some really good balls and, and like it was in the second quarter and George was going left to right on the TV screen and and he threw a ball down the right sideline to Kyrus Jackson and it was a perfect throw. Kyrus Jackson high points the ball, goes up to catch it, and then I think it was Josh Job or no, maybe it was Malachi Moore as a freshman comes down and and knocks it out of his hand. It was perfectly executed, besides the catch, which is still an impressive that he even caught it for a, a moment. Perfectly executed at every single position: the throw, the almost catch, and and the the def- defensive back play. So it was it was awesome to watch. But there was times in this game. I, I don't think it was just his height. It like that was the, the three biggest balls patted
0: down at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, somebody
1: said seven. I didn't know the total amount. But oh, yeah, was it was it really? I, that was on Twitter. So I don't know if that was real. Um, but regardless. Bama fans have a lot to be excited about and happy for with this game. When you look at the scoreboard and the 17-point win, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, they're going to play again, so everyone needs to pace themselves. This game, as big of a Bama fan as I am, this game could have been very, very different with just a few things. There, There was a minimum 14 points left on that field by Georgia, seven in the first half and seven in the second half at least, where he had Kenny Milton wide open in the flats wide open and he would have walked uh, James Cook zone. was
0: one of James Cook was okay. one of them on so the outside right
1: so yeah. he had a running back just wide open in the flats and I was like I was just screaming like throwing no, a triple
0: coverage instead
1: yeah exactly and so I think that they're going to go watch tape today and they're going to see these mistakes and they're going to make they're going to you know they're going to figure it out but I I think that when you look at it from from that perspective that's that's the a biggest positive I had for Georgia as a as a takeaway and I think the defense will be fine against all these other teams but how do you get into a a, a, a back and forth like a, a shootout with this kind of offense? Because I don't think you, you can't,
0: can't. You can't. You have to play a different type of game, and that's the only way that Georgia's going to beat this team. Georgia allowed more passing yards to Alabama than it has in any game since 2000 to the hefty lefty Jared Lorenzen. That that can't happen for this Georgia defense and still win. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna beat a team like Alabama, you 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 have to somewhat be able to slow down the thing that they do best. Right now, And that is so much easier said than done because these receivers make it look easy at times. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris, when he runs that hard, makes it look easy. And you're like, he gets five yards of carry at will. But at the same time, Georgia has to be able to, to shore up some things on the defensive end because yeah. there, there were things atypical of them, breakdowns and coverage, that you haven't really seen. That is Guys very who true. are rushing off the edge that, that didn't get home that normally do. And that, that's on Kirby now. And, and you're right yeah. in that these adjustments – have to be able to come because you, you've now seen it, and now Kirby, there's no excuse, and that's the difference between this time and, and in these past few years is that Georgia has never really had to see what the gold standard is this early in the year, right? right. 2018 LSU when they got waxed in that game in Baton Rouge, LSU wasn't the gold standard that year. You that wasn't the, the team offense, that they yeah. were gonna, yeah, that wasn't the team that they were gonna have to get adjust yeah. to be able to get by. 2017 in, in the national championship. Yeah. They didn't realize that Alabama had this level of offense with Tua. They didn't realize that that was all of a sudden going to become the gold right. standard. You even look at, at, at last year. like Last year, you, you see Georgia losing the regular season to South Carolina. South Carolina wasn't going to be the gold standard. The gold standard was always going to be LSU, right. and they didn't get to see what that even looked like until they got to Atlanta and their seasons on the line. So my point, and if you're a Georgia fan, the positive takeaway from this is you have seen what, what it's going to take. You've you've absolutely seen what is out there and what could potentially be waiting for you in Atlanta. You've got two months to be able to figure it out because it's not going away. It's not going away anytime soon. No. And this this offense is not fleeting. There's a bunch Steve of yeah, and even then, I don't know. But Steve Sarkeesian is not getting enough credit for what this group has done. Right. I was I was amazed, even in a game in which Alabama scored ten points less than what it's been averaging during the right. year, that offensive performance was darn good.
1: I and I tell you what, I, I think. I, you're spot on with with everything you said, and I, I think that uh, I mean when when Najee has more yards. I think I mean he had more yards by himself than they. Buck fifty-two, well, I think. I mean, yeah. Right. Than they've allowed all year, right? Like they were giving up. Yeah, they allowed thirty-eight
0: rushing yards a game, and Najee had more than that, right.
1: Yeah. And so, and like I know they, they were giving up one hundred ninety-eight to the air, and and, and Bama had two twenty-four. But so the, the the thing that surprised me most is the halftime adjustments that were made from Bama. And not Georgia, because again, and I know a lot of Georgia yeah. fans like that's a tough loss, and I'm not I'm not saying it needs to to rub this in. I'm I'm really not because it was a, it was an incredible game. There's there's a lot to be proud of, but if the, the idea again, if it's something about like the refs or this happened, this happened. This game was won and lost by by coaching, like flat out. Like those players went out there like on both sides made a bunch of plays, but when you score three straight times to close out the first half and have the lead. Or they, they scored three times in a row, and I think they gave up the field goal at the end of the, end of the first half for Bama. So they, but they had scored three times in a row against Bama's defense, had all the momentum in the world, was up 24-20 at the half, with no signs of Bama being able to stop the run game. Given up five yards of carry, Stetson Bennett already had 177 Stetson Bennett had the fourth highest uh, total passing yards in the first half of a, Bama, a game against a Bama defense in the last four years. And the other two players, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. So you had your foot... I, in my opinion, on Bama's neck, you, you got the ball coming out in the first, uh, at, or you got the ball first coming out in the second half. You were running the ball at five yards a carry, five yards a carry, and abandoned it. And and what amazed me was I I still think that this this roster is good enough to get them to a national championship. I think the defense is good enough to get them to a national championship. What's the adjustment? That's that's what I wanted. You have I a five-star what... quarterback on your bench once again, mm. and you lost, like you had a lead at halftime, and you've got a five-star quarterback on your f-ing bench excuse my language i'm just it makes me so mad to watch like 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 I, I have georgia fans that are that are i'm i'm really good friends with and close with and and their their response to him to me was like I, the biggest difference they they thought was saban doesn't keep sets invented at halftime and, and and that's it like I just don't understand. He was fine in the
0: first half. I thought sure I he made some big time throws. Sure, I don't think you could put a JT Daniels in that game in the second half. They had a four. You got to do something an in, the fourth,
1: in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter or the third quarter when you're getting beat by seventeen. What was that last interception? Like I, I just I think that oh it was terrible. It was that, terrible. And, and abandoning the run game was very bizarre to me. I just didn't get it. And there were, there were ways that Georgia could have won that game. Like without Those a doubt, offensive
0: line was playing well. Really yeah, well.
1: they were playing really well. And so it, I, I just think that like that part from a fan standpoint would bother me so much because it's like. You have to make an adjustment. You can't just keep doing the same things over and over. And the the other biggest thing I thought, outside of the halftime adjustments, and and maybe this is something that they won't be able to, nobody will be able to stop, is this quarterback for Alabama is better than Tua in this offense. And yes, and and I'll tell you why. It's because Tua wouldn't have lasted a, a quarter in that game. Like he, like against that defense, that was grown
0: man football. That was really grown was. man
1: football. And Matt, you watch how many times that ball, how many times that kid stood in the pocket and took a hit, like yeah. and and still made a throw. Like that kid is tough, and and he he, like that kind of, of moxie. Like he's a talented kid too. This is not like some like, you know, I hate to use this example, but like a Stetson Bennett type of story where it's like you know just. He's a four star career. I mean, yeah, I mean he's a very talented quarterback, but the fact that how tough he is. That that's why those players love him. That's why those coaches love him. He's been in the system for a while. And it's about damn time y'all start putting some effing respect on his name because he's had four – I'm sorry, three straight games over 400 yards. And he just did it against the best defense that I thought in the past decade.
0: Alabama has scored 35 points in every single game that Steve Sarkeesian has been the offensive coordinator since the start of 2019. And that continued against the best defense that they have seen during that stretch. Do you think now that George is going to respond and live up to your prediction? You still think that George is going to make these adjustments and win in the SEC championship?
1: Oh, I'm not going to say that right now. I, I like mm. I, I I think it's very easily like I'm going to since that's my prediction, I'll I'll respect it. <laughs> but like, I, I won't
0: I won't make you I won't yeah, make yeah, I don't want to that. Wanna do it right now yeah. because it,
1: I'm I'm still okay. celebrating that win last night, but I, but I'll say that like when it, again, there was a lot of points they left on the board, and that game, in my opinion, could have gone the other way and and been, honestly, maybe just as bad in a hurry. If they if they just put your foot on someone's neck, just keep pressing down, man. You don't let up. It'd be Allie said it. Yeah, I know. I, I saw
0: the tweet. I saw the tweet. Be very interesting to see what those adjustments are going to be made for Kirby Smart if he decides, hey, we're gonna rush three. We're gonna try and you know try and trust our front to be able to yeah. stop Najee Harris if you want to run against us and do that. But we can't let these receivers be in single coverage like that because it right. just did not
1: work for them. But you gotta score in the second half.
0: Gotta score in the second half. Not gonna win a game if you don't yeah. score in the second half. I always say. So Georgia, Bama. Great game. Wish it had a little bit of a more entertaining finish, but okay. still felt like the beginning. Hopefully, the beginning maybe oh. of.
1: Oh, go ahead. Real quick, as we're closing out here, one parting shot. And, and again, I had I have the utmost respect for every Georgia fan that I came in contact with yesterday. Oh boy, and it was a hell of a game. It really was, not like I, I, there was not Willie Gray. My, you're my boy. Like there was so many people that that could have had a a worse reaction i think or or said it was it was great interaction with them all day just the utmost respect for how that that game was handled scott cochran this a-hole if you're listening the fact that you came back to our field came onto our our sidelines the opposing sidelines that you sat across from for 12 years just like you know steps away from the locker room used to be in the, the facilities you used to coach in and our players and under that staff and under that head coach for 12 years, the fact that you and two other assistants couldn't walk your ass over to Nick Saban and say a single word to him after the game is absolutely pathetic. It's despicable. It's pathetic. Be an effing adult. And it is mind-blowing to me that, like, that level of unprofessionalism where you were sitting here for 11 to 12 years as, a, as an assistant, we're, we're giving the keys to... to like so much in this program, but didn't get a promotion that you felt like you wanted, or whatever. You left on a bad note. The fact that you couldn't be an adult enough to go over and say something to Nick Saban is mind blowing to me.
0: Twelve well, years. I, in in Scott Cochran's defense, he's practicing social distancing. I'm sure that's what they were all 12 doing. Twelve years.
1: Twelve years. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just I was so I was so disappointed when it, when seeing that. It was just like and and I, you know it just it maybe it, it's like that sucks, man. Like it's at the end of the game. Like just. Shake hands and leave. If you're so upset about it, be upset about it. Like, But at the same time...
0: Bump elbows. It's 2020. Bump,
1: yeah, it's whatever. It's just, it, it really, that was so, so dumb.
0: Auburn, South Carolina. Oh, yes. For the first time since 1933, do <sighs> you remember when South Carolina beats Auburn And Will Muschamp's plea to Ray Tanner not to fire him? Uh, that seems important. That seems really, really important. Didn't matter that South Carolina was out... Israel Mukwamu, because J.C. Horn, J.C. Horn had himself a day. First career interceptions had not one, not two. Yes, he actually had two. Just (laughs) two. Two interceptions (laughs) of Boneyx. He made himself some money with what He, he did guarding Seth Williams, who, by the way. Seth Williams, Bo Nix, little sideline disagreement that the Did camera's they? caught, and then Chad oh, Morris tries to put out the fire. Oh, you missed that? It's good. I saw the UCF uh, kickers. Ooh, man, that guy was fuming. Was he was amazing. not happy. Yeah,
1: That Seth Williams uh, matchup was with J.C. Horn was really fun to watch. It was, it was, really it was
0: great. It was excellent. And I get it. Look, they're both competing, you know, Seth Williams is frustrated that he's not getting the ball in the spots that mm-hmm. he wants. Bo Nix is trying to – he's saying, look, man, I'm force-feeding you targets. What, what do you want from me? You, you've got a really good defensive back on you. But um, J.C. Horn, after the game, thanked Bo Nix for throwing at him so much. So yeah. uh, J.C. Horn had himself a, a ball game. And, and yeah. I think uh, before we get to the Auburn side of it, that that to me was one of those games where you're like, hmm, when we talk about these defensive players, and yeah. like J.C. Horn was that guy that we always kind of banged the drum for when we did our defensive rankings in the preseason, we said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, don't look at the no interceptions. Look at how good he is in coverage. What was the metrics really favor him. The, the, like, the PFF stat, yeah, about like how like quarterback rating when targeted was
1: insanely good. Percent, it was something bizarre, and it was, it, but it was like, oh my god." That's really
0: the, the, the type of game that he had on Saturday was now everybody knows who J.C. Horn is. He's showing up in every single mock draft mm-hmm. and all that. And he is now, at least he should be, a household name yeah. in the SEC. When you perform like that against a guy like Seth Williams, who has had a really good start to this year, I thought that was incredible. So tip of the cap mm-hmm. to South Carolina. For, for getting it done in in a, in a game that I I'll be honest I was kind of waiting for them to fall apart or, I don't know about oh, you but a doubt. that's well, what I it felt
1: dude like. I live bet I live bet Auburn I, I like I, I also live bet Tennessee oh. and Georgia <laughs> so it was like um, but yeah it was uh, it was like I, I wish that we had an audio clip that we could we could splice in here right now because I think the exact words I had for South Carolina like this game prediction was. Will Muschamp always has some stupid win that makes no sense, that you can't yeah, explain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I just had this overwhelming feeling that was going to happen, and I, and I set it on here and, and made it my uh, picks article as well, which I thought I was like, maybe I'm crazy. And then Michael Wayne Bratton also had it. Phil Steele had it, uh, which was surprising. Will Muschamp came in with a game plan, and, and I think that we found out two things. I, that preseason prediction, let me pat myself on the back, of Arkansas and South Carolina being better than people were giving them credit for, Looks pretty good. Pretty good. but And I think this is a, a really big win for Carolina in a program that, that needs it. And not just Will Muschamp, but like a program that needs it. Because that's – I know they've they barely played. They've played like eight times or whatever since 1933. It's still cool to be able to snap that streak considering how long ago it's been. Especially
0: for those home fans
1: like that yeah. too. Where you could tell that, that, that was oh, yeah.
0: a different sort of win for that program.
1: But to be able to overcome all the adversity in that game that they, they were able to – was amazing, and, and and having Kevin Harris with two touchdowns, and, and having Shy Smith just continues to be. I was wrong. was the eighth. Oh my god!
0: Why? Well, I mean, which one? He because he had two. Yeah. He had The one in the end zone <laughs> where he just mossed a dude, and the then he had the one on the sideline side where he's just f- falling down and somehow still holds on to that. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Holy what shite!
1: Huh? Am I right? Okay. Okay. Nailed it. Yeah. Sorry about me, but no, I I just thought that. Well, bleep that. This was a this was a game where. They could have folded, and, they, and oftentimes we've seen them do that late in games, and they didn't do it, which I think, like when I talk about the adversity, coming from behind several times and then getting a lead, keeping a lead, holding Auburn out of the end zone, of the, the final drive for one, overcoming that BS call uh, late in the game for Auburn. It was just the whole thing was it, – it was, it was awesome to watch. It was great for a must-champ. The other part of that, Auburn is not a good football team. Auburn's and, not a good football team. That's, and we have that's clear. They are. They are two and two, and they should easily be one and three. And should you look you at wonder. that Kentucky game, man. I mean, man. Like they, they won by 16 points and all that good stuff. But there's, there's so many, so many things wrong with this, this team. It It, it just looks bad. And, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm tough on Bo Nix. He only had 51 percent completion percentage yesterday. He's Five point eight a,
0: yards per attempt and three interceptions.
1: A lot of drops, though. Lot of drops.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he's the
1: th- the second highest drop rate of any quarterback in the league. It's like thirteen point eight percent of his passes. I, I get that. I
0: get that. I don't know how catchable his ball is sometimes. I I, I get also that feeling point. watching yeah. him. They and tried him to aim his
1: shorts a lot, and he he dropped like three in the first half.
0: Yeah, he did. And he's not the most sure-handed pass catcher. We can say that when he gets the ball in space, obviously he's dangerous. But the troubling thing for me is that in nine of Bo Nix's 16 career games, Uh he has not averaged six yards per attempt. That's more than half of his career games in which he has not averaged six yards per attempt. Man, it's 2020. Passing games are supposed to be way more efficient. And instead, you're looking up and you're like, wait a minute. 35 minutes into this game, and Bo Nix has thrown the ball 31 times, and he's thrown the ball three times as much as Tank's, Tank Bigsby has carried it. That is, is the thing. I don't Chad understand. Chad Morris, this. what are you doing, man? Well, you it, doing? But Gus
1: Valzon, what are you doing? Like, like you're the head coach. You're the one that we know at some point, we know you're involved in the play calling. And we've seen this trend. We saw it against Georgia last year, throwing 50 times. We've seen it this year against Kentucky, he threw the ball 30 times. He threw the ball 30 times against Bama in a shootout and probably needed to. You didn't need to do that against against no. Kentucky. And it, I don't understand why. We're like against kid, South Carolina. No, no, I meant against I meant against uh, Kentucky. At the start of the year because he had thirty passes again. The same amount of passes. Oh, okay. Like, okay. It was exactly the same. And so against well, how many did he have yesterday? He had forty-seven passes in a game why? where they had four hundred and eighty-one yards of offense. Auburn was leading for for most of the game until the third quarter, right? Like so, I, Tank Bigsby is ripping off runs of of hold on, sixteen carries for one hundred eleven yards, right? That kid is. He he was unbelievably difficult tackle. Whether it was between the tackles, whether it was outside, because he was so fast or slippery, he has broken like more tackles than
0: anybody in college football since the start of the season.
1: It's stupid. And so he, I mean, he averaged six point nine. He averaged more yards on the ground than than yeah, right. Um, than Bo Nix did through the air. And it just what I don't understand is this has been a staple of of Gus. Every Gus Miles on offense we've ever seen, it's predicated on the run. And and the quarterbacks are always better when you are at least like implying that you're going to run like doing rpos doing doing all those things and that's where where bonix thrives this whole drop back and and throw the ball thing that i thought was going to be this new age of offense for him where he was he might look pretty good after the the second half of kentucky he doesn't look good in and he he refuses to be a part of because he's constantly rolling out of the pocket
0: it's it's frustrating to watch for an auburn fan and i had an Auburn fan who's DMing me during the game, and he's just like he's beside himself. And he, he's yeah. he's also the Auburn fan who says, "Just give me Nick I Marshall,
1: guess. just give me yeah, Nick dude, Marshall." That's Nick all Marshall's I want. The best quarterback <laughs> in that system of all time. You should have it's it's
0: so so like I, I understand where where Auburn fans are coming from in, in this frustration, and of course they're going to be skewering Gus after a loss like that. Yeah. Because if you're Auburn, you shouldn't be losing to South Carolina. I don't care if you got KJ Britt out, you 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 return some of your key defenders back. They had Jalen Simpson back on defense, the corner, and, and those DBs were hitting. I mean, they, they were hitting. Yeah, that sure, those, that's Sherwood like really good. was. Oh, Sherwood was was dropping. I mean, the yeah. pads were popping with, with Auburn's defense. So I don't I don't want to say that that's that's the reason that that Auburn lost that game, and you could just chalk it up to injuries. But man, this offense, look like, Gus is still making excuses for it, and he's still said afterwards, it's just everyone kind of getting used to each other after this weird offseason, yeah, all bro. Is, bro. 40% of the year is over. Yeah. You can't still be saying that. It's about
1: to be daylight savings time, dude. I'm making a petition that it won't be, but it, but it's like, you know, you your defense, as much as I, I, I rip Kevin Steele and the, the free pass people seem to give him, they had, they get less than 300 yards of offense. Like, I mean, your offense lost this game. I think game. Kevin
0: Steele's doing fine. I think yeah. he's doing fine I, with I mean, what it, he's been given.
1: Sure, and, and I think that, like, in a game like this, when you are missing K.J. Britt, who's been incredible, like, that secondary looked fantastic. Uh, I thought for the most part, the D line looked pretty good, but like you gave up less than 300 yards. You gave up, you gave up 30 points, but part of that was on a pick six, right? It was, I mean, didn't they have a pick six? Yeah, they had a pick six. Okay. So, um, I I just, I think that when you have Bo Nix, who's now thrown his seven career, uh, sorry, I think it it might be nine career interceptions now. I think it was six going into the the game and all nine of them or seven or whatever the number is are all on the road. Yeah. And now it's 10. Is it t- okay? So it's it's all on the road, right? And, yeah. and I don't know if this is the beginning of a, a Kellen Mond type situation where you don't look great on the road, but you're different at home. Because I don't think he looks that great at home necessarily either. But what what really concerns me, and I I think the the Gus in the hot seat type talk all the time is is really dumb until I saw one thing. Um, and, and that was somebody posted yesterday. They said, I'm so tired of watching this Auburn team go eight and five with a surprise win against Alabama. And then we excuse Gus Malzahn for another three years. And, and that is one of the most honest and objective things I've and like way to look at this, because that's what's happening. I mean, you gave he, he beat Bama in, in 2017 in a game that didn't matter because Bama's still in the national championship and you gave him $49 million. And if you're Gus Malzahn, what worries me is Dude, the whole knock on him has been he has never been able to develop a quarterback. And we said going in last year we thought he was going to start Bo Nix, and he was going to ride or die with this guy, and, and 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 that caused two other quarterbacks to leave that were arguably more talented. Hmm. They, they, yeah. Hmm. Who are you referring? I to? I tell you what, man, that Malik Willis looks pretty damn Five good this year.
0: Oh, let's go! Yeah, but like also
1: he's like throwing. I think he has over seventy percent completion percentage. I mean, he he's been balling. Yeah, and so. When you have th- that that kind of stuff, when you have when you have that happen and you basically had this player run them off, like not in a negative way, but he beat them out and, and they chose to go elsewhere. Yeah. And, and you you do
0: things to your program by, right. by saying we're gonna start this true freshman in this
1: exactly. spot. Exactly. And so in those it doesn't help that that one guy is thriving and, and everyone also Joey Gate was become like a fan favorite and goes in yesterday at the end of that game, which Auburn fans also didn't like seem to enjoy because of what was going on there. I just think it really it really does start to beg the question of like does does he know how to develop a quarterback i mean he had mitch mustang at arkansas and and somehow messed that up like like and and again nick marshall has been his best quarterback i just i wonder i wonder if if it it is time that they they figure something else out because i don't think that the the problem is Auburn ever going to get to another national championship or an sec championship
0: uh, not playing like this. Not with this offense. There's just – there's simply no but, way. But
1: seriously, think about, like, with with what – you saw what LSU did last year, what Bama did this year, Bama did in 2018 on offense. Like, are they – is Auburn going to beat a Probably not.
0: That's the question. Now the West is wide open in a way that we, we didn't think uh, even two weeks ago. Yeah. And you look at the, the remaining schedule for Auburn, and you're like, well, man, if they're not going to win against South Carolina. They didn't deserve to win at home against right. Arkansas. What what are these winnable obvious games for Auburn? Is it just going to be one of those years where the the conference only schedule limits them to a 4 and 6, a 5 and 5 cuz man, that's that's really what it feels like at this point. It doesn't yeah. feel like a group that's going to be competing into into November for the division. And you could argue that being 2 and 2 right now, they're they're essentially out of it because Bama's Bama right now with a two-game lead in the division, and obviously still with the Iron Bowl upcoming, they are very much heads and shoulders above this Auburn team. So oh, really I, I don't, great. I don't know, I, I don't know it, what what your expectation could be for an for an Auburn fan right now to say this would be a success. Like is just going six and four a, a success? Because when I predicted that at the start of the year, Auburn fans were not happy, and they're like, that's not right. good enough. I, I I don't know if you could look at this team and think that anything above six and four is possible.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not going to beat. They already played Georgia. We saw how that went. Um, you know, it, it, it really is interesting to think about on, from two sides because it's, uh, you know, every there are people predicting that Auburn was going to beat Georgia after week one, how Georgia looks the first half, and they, they shut up Barrett Salee. And they got blown out. Yeah, he also picked Bama big yesterday. Um, Barrett's
0: predictions are actually usually like much better than they're mine. They're really was, that good. Yeah, that <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> was a good spread.
1: Definitely a bad shot there. Um, yeah, like I texted him on Wednesday. I was like, "Give me some confidence going to that Bama game." He's like, "Bama's going to win big." Uh, and all seven people on Sportsline had that pick somehow. But but mm. regardless, this like it, it's from a week to week basis. It is becoming more and more like, "What do we really know about the SEC?" Because we we think that this one one's it's be so great. tough to predict. I mean, and we'll get to this team later. But God dang Mississippi State! Like you know, it, it really is tough on a week to week basis. So I don't know what the what the end result of this this season will be for Auburn, but I know that. Like, yeah, you got, you got Ole Miss and LSU. You got Mississippi State, then Tennessee and Bama and A and M. There's two games on there. There's one game on there for sure. That I don't think they're gonna win. But you know, flip a coin for the rest. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, don't, idea. I really don't. But it's 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 like I hate the fact that it's it seems to start to become the the coin flip is whether or not Bo Nix is gonna show up and do something stupid. So
0: mm-hmm. agreed. Good for South Carolina for getting that win, getting to 2 2, and all of a sudden a very different feeling surrounding that program, knowing that your only win isn't against a Vandy team with 56 scholarships. Yeah. Kentucky, Tennessee, holy cow. For the first time time. since 1984, Kentucky wins at Tennessee. The balls have won 33 of 35 against Kentucky. And oh my, Jared Garantano had nothing. Nothing on Saturday. We asked the question, how was Tennessee going to respond after getting embarrassed in the second half against Georgia? I thought, you know what? Tennessee, recent history against Kentucky. They've, they've always done really well against Mark Stoops' defense. Give the Vols a chance to bounce back. I, I went against what I said in the preseason about Kentucky being the better team than Tennessee. And um, what did it take about? Uh, probably 17 minutes after the second pick six. You knew it wasn't Tennessee's yep. day. Jared Garantano throws not one, but two pick sixes. Kelvin Joseph and Jameen Davis were just phenomenal in, in being able to step in front of passes. And Kentucky, after not forcing a turnover <laughs> in two games, in two games, we were just talking about this. They were, straight, last, were last in the
1: SEC in, in <sighs> passing defense, and they looked like – Seven ten, They forced ten, ten, ten turnovers.
0: <laughs> ten turnovers, and they're following 16 possessions after that. That is absurd. Yeah, Boogie Watson was everywhere. Wearing Chris Holtz's number, by the way, who they're, they're playing for him, a yeah. guy who's, who's who's dealing with some some illness issues right now. Um but that Kentucky defense, wow, they look like they turned the corner in a big, big
1: way against Tennessee. Kentucky is starting to look like what We were told kentucky was going to look like right and it's it's been really fun they tried to to get to two, yeah which i hate as well because i that is still so kentucky to have to sit here at the end of the year or because i tell you what they have georgia and florida up next their next two games and and that is so so what i love this win and i'm not going to focus on that because you know like i think they have turned the corner as a team i don't know what that looks like or translates to from a record standpoint Moving forward, just because of, yeah. of the, the schedule, but I think you're right, and and I, I I love it was this game was so awesome to watch for. I know Tennessee fans, it sucks. It was it was an awful loss, and and I hate that we're now two weeks from is Tennessee back. They're great, like they look fantastic. Guaranteeing every quarterback, yeah, yeah, and now we are right back into because I tell you what, they play Bama this week, and and I, and I realized this last night, especially after what happened yesterday. Jeremy Pruitt played three quarterbacks right yesterday. Um, which is he, I, Pruitt's not managing this roster well, and and I don't know if he was trying to motivate the team, but that whole comment about we had a freshman scrimmage and found 26 guys that could play. If you didn't have, if you didn't know that they had 26 guys that could have been rotating in and getting reps, like that's mind blowing to me as a head coach.
0: I I understand that a little bit after the offseason. season. That's been, yeah. Although I'll, I'll, I'll defend uh, but, him on that just because you don't have a spring. But I, that's he made a, a comment
1: about yeah. That's okay. That's fair. But he also made a comment about how. These he only had two quarterbacks to choose from, and it was this whole. You he, he played three yesterday, dude. So that Harrison be Bailey the missed
0: a decent amount of fall camp, right. as Well, because so, he's out with COVID stuff. Sure,
1: here. the Garantano thing, though. I, I, like, I hate, I hate this for Tennessee fans for the most part. But you are fully and just, I mean, right back knee deep into is Pruitt the right guy, which I think is stupid. But also, who's going to be your quarterback, and they're going to start rotating those quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff, and getting this whole mess again. And it's, it's not going to be pretty, I think, over the next couple weeks. That's all I'm going to say about Tennessee. I don't want to take anything away from this Kentucky win. Because I shout out to Mark Stoops, friend of the pod, incredible coach. It's, could not be happier for him and Terry Wilson. This effing duo, like, you got to hold your head up just as high as you can, man. Like, think about this where this program has been. They've had some things that, to, to be prideful of and, and all that kind of stuff. And the fan base wants this to be a thing so much. But these two guys have ended the streak against Florida, they got you to a 10-win season for the first time in 40 years, your first win against Florida in 31 years. The first winning
0: record in the SEC is two in four decades.
1: Right. And, and so, and then you also have your you have what do you call it? Uh, your first win in Knoxville, which like I I know this isn't like a big rivalry, but these fans don't like each other because Kentucky obviously has this little brother syndrome because of the years of losing. And Tennessee fans have, have this kind of arrogance about being able to win every year. And, and what Jeremy Pruitt's done against Mark Stoops, love seeing that come to an end and love seeing, even if it was for just these two weeks necessarily, like Kentucky start to find themselves and, and be the team that we thought they were going to
0: be. The post game with Stoops was great. Some of the <laughs> video that came out in the locker room, some uh, not suitable for work. Oh, I didn't uh, see that. What do you say? Out. Oh, uh, you're dropping some, dropping some F-bombs, good. and this this win feels incredible. Nothing crazy or anything like that. It was nothing as bulletin board as Coach O against Bama last year. Fair. But uh, Mark Stoops on the uh, KSR, Kentucky Sports Radio, uh, post-game show, said uh, that he was sitting on the bus with a glass of bourbon. Love and it. And he was, he was going to smoke a cigar when he got
1: home. Yeah, he's feeling good. He what was, was his favorite bourbon good. again? We asked him on the pod. Was it Maker's? I, it's got to be makers, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, we'll go back and listen to it. Somebody asked. I had some makers yesterday too, but like again, just shout out Gary Joe Collins. I'm so happy for you, man. What an awesome win! Just what a, what a great win for them, and and you know
0: all that. Great win for for Kentucky. Garrett So let's talk about this for for a second here. You know when Rookie of the Year, when oh good. Henry like Rowan this. Garner. Henry Rowan Garner walks out to the mound and they're playing the Mets for the pennant. God knows something. Gottenhouser. Steps on the ball, and he trips, and all of a sudden he realizes, oh, crap. It's gone. It's gone. And then he's got (laughs) to slow pitch it. He's got to give him the softball toss. He's got to play the hidden ball trick at first Uh, base. He's got to do all these things. What ball did Jared Garantano step on at halftime of that Georgia game? I don't know. Because mercy... He, whatever mojo he had and the poise that he was playing with in the first half, I get it. It's, it's been an up and down career for him. Mm-hmm. That's not new. But the difference between Garantano and that first half against Georgia compared to the two halves of football that he played following that could not have been more different with the throws that he's making. I understand sometimes, you know, you could say Tennessee receivers aren't necessarily helping him out. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of that. Dude's throwing into double coverage. He's throwing across across the entire field for a three yard gain, and Calvin Joseph is picking it off. And, and he's making terrible, terrible decisions. I, is it Harrison Bailey time right now?
1: It, it feels like it has to be, right? You know, I, I hate to say this because I, I, I somebody said yesterday they said the, I was like, "What are your biggest takeaways?" And they said the third best quarterback in the SEC had a tough day. Um, <laughs> but you know, somebody made this comment on on Instagram. I think actually and. I hate that I'm using so many examples from social media because usually it's a bastion of, of, terribleness. But like, they said, as a Vol fan, you have a fifth-year senior quarterback, and he's still making the same mistakes he's made. You know what this game reminded me of was, um, it, well, I, I wish we could talk about rookie of the year more. But uh, but like, <laughs> but it, what it reminded me of was when, um, in that Florida game in 2018, when when you have Florida at home and and this, again you have. The beginning of uh of Pruitt's like you know coaching career and there was this I think it was that was Pruitt right yeah that was Pruitt <laughs> and you, you have this um you know like the, the, they had this whole hype thing it was a night game it was on ESPN and they, there was that quote from Baker Mayfield it's the loudest place they ever played and they were going to lock the gate like the the Admiral Schofield thing but they're going to lock the gates and, and then you're getting all pumped up it's this huge game like is this our time to get, get back because Florida wasn't that great and but they didn't think they were going to be great and um he threw six interceptions, or they had six turnovers, and, and a majority of them were in the first half, and they were down, like, 37 nothing before, like at the start. And I know that I'm... And
0: this time, they had Al Wilson speak to the team. Yeah. And they come out like that. And that's the frustrating thing, too, because this defense, I think is still...
1: I think this defense is still good. Defense is good. I mean, the defense, uh, like, the defense didn't, didn't... like, Dude, I mean, how many yards did Kentucky have? Hold on. We'll look it up real quick, because it wasn't much. Terry Wilson had a, a good day Just like, over passing. 100
0: yards for Terry Wilson passing. Yeah,
1: 101, yeah. So... I agree with you on the defense, but what, what bothers me here is is Garantano as a fifth year senior is still doing things that are inexplicable. They they gave up two hundred ninety four yards of total offense. I, I just I think I don't I I hate that I hate it for that kid because he's he's been so up and down and he's finally got an offensive line, but when you're putting your team in positions that they cannot overcome consistently, still, yeah, I think it is time to move on because because yeah. I like you. There was no there was no way for them to win this game.
0: No, there wasn't. There, there absolutely was not, and especially when Kentucky went up 17-0. That it was it was all she wrote. And he was I wish you told me automatic. that. That's when I
1: live bet him, so thank you.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Ole Miss and Arkansas. Man. Got
1: to say it. Got to say it. it. Say it. Yes, sir. That's not bad, right? That was pretty good. That's pretty good. I, right. t- I tell you what, Connor. I, I mean, you, you, I, you, the Ole Miss hadn't beat Arkansas in in, 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 I think, seven years against, against the spread at least, and I, I, I did not know why they were favored.
0: Your former team did not do so well,
1: Matt Luke. They he did not. I mean, you know, By the way, how y'all doing? He's, you know, former head coach Ole Miss football, Matt Luke, had a tough day yesterday in Tuscaloosa. Sam, I gotta ask you. I mean, I just why, like, why, what are you doing? It's so different. Because I mean, you're making all of us look bad. That's a little coaches. bit of
0: like the Pruitt from two days. What?
1: <laughs> what are you, Ross? What are you doing? I mean, Who's my God. Um, <laughs> <I forgot. laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so I, I think uh, I think that Sam Pittman has quickly become, and this this entire incoming class of coaches, which is, I think it's another thing about 2020 that proves that everything that we think we know, we don't. Because um, he, I, I don't think I think him and Drinkwitz. You probably would have thought they would be the the bottom two coaches, especially after week one and two. Sam
0: Pittman has the most wins of all the new coaches in the SEC. Sam
1: Pittman equaled the same amount of wins that that Chad Morris had in year one, in twelve games. He did it in four, and he should Sam have Pittman three. Should have
0: three wins. He should have as many wins as the rest of the new coaches in the yep. SEC
1: combined. Like, he is. <laughs> this is awesome. That's absurd. And I think that what Sam Pittman's doing, and this this the game also makes me really happy because. I picked Arkansas, even though they were an underdog, and then we're we'll going to get to the staff picks thing later. But, but I, I, like I thought that this was like the line was a little bit skewed because of recently Bias, the Ole Miss thing. But Sam Pittman, there's there may not be a better example of how important, in a positive way, the the hiring of assistant coaches is for a head coach, and how much it really does impact yep. how they are. And that's something you you've said forever because it's like. We pin so much on the head coach, on the quarterback, on the offense or defense or whatever, but so much of the success of these programs, and, and like from a week to week basis, is because of, of the coordinators. And Sam Pittman getting Barry Odom, Sam Pittman getting Kendall Briles, and whether you like Kendall Bryles or not, it, you know we're not going to get into that. But the dude's the dude's been phenomenal. What he's what he's done with Felipe Franks.
0: Felipe Franks has been good. Barry Odom right now, if I, I don't have a Bryles award vote, but if I did, it's going to Barry Odom. Because there is not an assistant in college football who is doing what he is doing. Matt Corral had six, six interceptions in this game. They That's had one turnover coming in in the first three games. Matt Corral has faced Alabama. He's faced Florida. He's faced Kentucky. And he yeah, has all those teams don't have well,
1: Kentucky might have as good of a defense, but but Florida and Bama don't. This has been awesome.
0: I mean, this this defense, we said coming in, this was a, a really good sneaky matchup between yep. the Ole Miss offense and the Arkansas defense. And it was a pretty good strength-on-strength strength matchup. And Arkansas' defense flexed all sorts of muscles. Grant Morgan had one of the better defensive days that yep. I have ever seen. 19 tackles. Three tackles for loss. He had a sack. He had a pick-six. Dude's got one arm. It doesn't yeah. even <laughs> matter. It doesn't even matter. Arkansas didn't even have... Leading tackler, Bumper Pool, by the way. right? Hunter Clark, three interceptions, no big deal. The defense did what Alabama, Florida, and Kentucky couldn't do. And this, this unit just looks so prepared. And I said coming into this year, I've said this so many times in this podcast, I thought Barry Odom was going to do for Arkansas what Mike McIntyre did for Ole Miss last year. I underestimated that. Look, I said that, that Barry Odom was going to put them in spots to succeed uh-huh. and that they would at least not be a total doormat. This, this defense is imposing its will. Yep. And if people are still not taking them seriously, and if you're still counting them as an automatic win, forget about it, man, because go ask Georgia about that. Go yeah. ask any team that has played Arkansas and has had to stay on the field for 60 minutes with that defense. They are everywhere. They fly all over the field. They look so well-prepared. It looks like Barry Odom has done nothing this entire offseason but sit in, his offense, or sit in his office and watch film because every single game... He finds a way to shut down offenses, and Lane, Lane Kiffin was beside himself because all the scheming that he's been doing that's worked so well mm-hmm. didn't have a chance against Barry Odom. Matt Krause thrown in a double coverage, and he's got no windows to throw into. I, I'm wearing a hat right now. I'm tipping my cap to Barry Odom because yeah. that guy, that guy deserves an ice cold beer and, and, and a, a hearty pat on the back for what he has done so far. <laughs> in this
1: the most Midwest thing you've ever effing said. A glass of milk. <laughs> that and, guy uh... just a <laughs> glass of milk. Um, what was that tweet you had a couple weeks ago? And you're like, "So and so drinks whole milk," and I was like, "What does that mean, sir?" Um, <laughs> so uh, Barry Odom, yeah, like, and I think that we we have talked um, a lot about Barry Odom on this podcast, and uh, like, he deserves all all of the the you know kudos and respect, all that kind of stuff. But Sam Pittman, I, I mean, what a turnaround in a place where people and i've maintained this forever because of how passionate those fans really are in all sports basketball baseball as well it's crazy they love their baseball there yeah they do and they, and, and basketball so when you have when you have a guy come in and it means something to him i said this a couple weeks ago about how it it, it seems similar to the the coach o thing where it's like it just it means a little bit more to him and you can tell from the passion that he puts into his job and it's awesome to watch it's awesome to watch i wish that i had not Blown up Matt Corral so much um, last week because I feel bad. I feel like this is my fault.
0: I think it's a bit of a. I think it's a bit of a one off.
1: It it, it is.
0: In your defense, I blew him up the week before, and he still went out and performed really well against Bama. So we've kind of, you know, we we haven't necessarily jinxed him on this podcast. Yeah,
1: I I think that this is a game where we we really saw the identity of a Lane Kiffin coach football team, and and what I mean by that is there were people saying this before before the game started, and and I, I was like, that is spot on, and that is that this game was primed for a letdown. The, the line moved from three and a half down into, like, Arkansas was favored by one and a half by kickoff. We, and know, there was
0: apparently going to be some COVID absences, though, right. but it wasn't as impacted by COVID as what we originally thought right. it was going to
1: be. So what I mean by that with the with the, the lane Kivan coach team, the identity of matching it is, you have a game against Alabama, against his former coach, against his ex, right? Like yeah. if, you, if you if you're going to like you are been to like a party where you know your ex is going to be there, and even though you're with someone else and you're like, you know, happy or, or moved on, you're like you're not going to wear like your <laughs> jeans and like a t shirt. Like you're gonna like you're gonna ball out, okay? You're gonna like g up from the feet up, like go out to impress, right?
0: I think you literally just stole my exact example from the Kiffin Saban thing too. Like a week and a half ago.
1: I didn't That's mean to right. did, Continue. But regardless, no, I wasn't listening to you say that. I was still just absolutely <laughs> distraught over the defense. But but when that happens, I think when you have a matchup against Bama, it's in prime time. It's on national television. You have everyone watching to yeah. put on display, and you're a huge underdog. You thrive. You go on the road against Kentucky, and, and you're you're zero and one, and and people aren't giving you a chance at all. You got a chip on your shoulder, and you, you get your first win. You thrive in that moment, right? Florida, first game of the year against a, a Todd Grantham defense You thrive as the underdog. You thrive when, when people don't think you're gonna be able to do something. The moment mm. people are giving you respect and, and the matchup, it doesn't really matter as much to you. Why like I don't I don't think this team has the the mental toughness or mental makeup is a better way to put it of being able to get up for those games and, and, and going from a week to week basis yet. And, and I think that's what we saw yesterday because they had they looked deflated. They they looked deflated. It's the first time really they've done.
0: really been stopped. It's the first yeah. time in a game when they really got got punched in the mouth and they had to respond. And, and they, they and they didn't have that. They didn't not have that
1: answered on the stretch. No. And I thought like obviously I'd be deflated too if our quarterback threw six interceptions. That's arguably six. Four too many interceptions. I don't know. And you have John Rice Plumlee on the bench, and he's not more accurate than Matt Corral. I, so like I guess also credit Kiffin. Yeah, but like they're they're like?
0: down they're down three you scores. Gotta you got to change
1: something. Yeah, and I just I thought that is as crazy as that was. They still had chances where they could have been competitive late in the game. oh well, this um, is
0: defense played pretty well. They did. Considered, surprisingly. But,
1: but once again, for like the 18th time this year, Arkansas's defense with a goal line stand. Yeah. That's and and, what they and do. that kind of consistency from like I think they embody like their coach as well and you saw you saw how different that can be on on game days.
0: Here's a here's a fun little game. Let's let's call you, let's call that? it <laughs> Let's call it uh, Arkansas or this team. Okay. Neutral site, neutral site. Who would you pick to win? Money line, money line. Arkansas, Arkansas Alabama. or LSU. Arkansas. No, nah, well. Arkansas. Probably. Makes you think, though. Makes you yeah. think. Arkansas or A and M.
1: A and M. Arkansas A&M. or Auburn. Uh, they already. Arkansas should have already beaten Auburn. There you go. Yeah.
0: Arkansas Tennessee.
1: Oh, that's see, that's a tough one because they are gonna play each other, right? Mm. Um, I, I don't like any of the voices and noises you're making right now. <laughs> Let's play a game. <laughs> um, I so I don't know. That's tough, man. Because I, I honestly I'm so sh- like just shook from yesterday of what I of what I know and don't know. Recency bias would probably yeah. factor into that a little too much. But also, no. I think the I think when you look at the broad you know, scale of what they've been able to do. And is this Tennessee team going to keep reeling? Because they're going to play Bama next week. And then who do they have after that? Like, I don't remember who after, after that. Schedule gets difficult. Yeah, so I, it's going to be interesting, I think, for Arkansas. They, they've got – hold on, let me look at this real quick. They've got uh, Tennessee – wait, that's us. Oh, they got a bye week and then A&M, Tennessee, Florida. So this could look really different to close out the year. And that's another thing, too, is somebody asked this last night on the Facebook Live, um, like, do you think that Sam Pittman wrapped up the SEC Coach of the Year thing? There's so much of the year left that we don't know how that's going to play out. And like teams, they still have to play. But but what an incredible start to the year. Incredible.
0: Let's go to the Maroon Bowl. Last game that we have to discuss from the weekend. A&M Mississippi State. 112 minutes and 39 seconds is how long Mississippi State went without an offensive point. An offensive point. Point Mike Elko adjusted, he dropped eight in the coverage most of the time. There were some times where he was rushing four, which that's he, he likes to be able to, to do that, but a lot of the time they're rushing three. And Mississippi State's offensive line was like one of the worst offensive line performances oh, that I've ever seen. I, I go back to like 2015 Penn State against Temple when Christian Hackenberg got sacked. Oh, yeah, everyone times. remembers that. It yeah. was
1: you remember exactly this where was like during that matchup.
0: I do because it was my first day on this job, so I yeah, definitely okay. um But it was that type of comical where it was like, oh, yeah, a and am just going to have three guys rush. Uh, Mississippi State's going to have five guys. Their guards are just going to do absolutely nothing. Like, their guards may as well just, like, go just go s- sit on the sideline because they're, they're yeah. just, like, not getting any sort of impact on it. Like, you should be you should probably be blocking defensive ends or helping out on the If I tackle. was their offensive
1: line, I would simply block. So the quarterback, you know, just (laughs) a thought. I that's
0: what worried me though about this team to start, like about Mississippi State. We said coming into the year, and and then it quickly got washed away after LSU. We said coming in, is this offensive line going to be able to hold up and block at the rate that they need to to execute this offense? Because KJ Costello was bad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, dude really didn't have a chance against a three man rush once again. (sighs) Bench for Will Rogers. KJ Costello was. Roger's probably the guy moving forward now, but Without a doubt, what a disaster!
1: And, and and listen, KJ Costello, I said this last week, and it looked even worse. It, like I don't, Benjamin Button aged in reverse, right? But he aged like fast. You know, you know, you know what KJ Costello reminds me of? Remember the movie Jack, where Robin Williams grew like, like he aged four times as fast as as a, as a normal person. You know, you know I'm not a big Robin Williams guy. You know, but Diane Lane's in it.
0: I do like Diane Lane. You do do love
1: Diane Lane, Lane, but she. So anyway, it's a it's a really good and also really sad movie because it's like. Of course, because it's Robin Williams. Well, yeah, he dies at like after like high school because he was like eighty. But I've seen Patch Adams. That was also really sad. What I know. (laughs) This is terrible. Um, but regardless, so the the reason I said it is because. KJ Costello has aged a minimum 22 to 30 years in the past three weeks. He, he doesn't look anywhere close to, to what he looked like the first week. And, and I I have this in my notes, and of course I don't have my notebook next to me, or that notebook, but, like, what what a fall it, it took. And, and I'm, I'm not saying I don't think that this can't work. Mike Leach can't figure this out or whatever. Once he starts this won't his, work like
0: this with this personnel. It, it just, just won't. Will not.
1: And, and we thought that, like, week one... This it's crazy how I, I think it really speaks to the depth of the SEC and in a year we don't have defense like we we do not have consistent defense from from good teams and do you see that stat they threw up yesterday I think during the Auburn game where um, the SEC ranks last out of the Power Five conferences power and five average yards matches, per game yeah. and and points Big, per game. And Big like 12's first. yeah like, yeah so I'm not saying I don't think this could work if he if he gets a quarterback in there they can that can do really well in his system or whatever but the the it is terrifying to think of how quickly this adjustment's been made. Where you go from not just having a, a great game, and because that win against LSU, we've seen LSU's not as great as we thought, but setting SEC records for the most passing yards ever in a game, and having 600 and, and you know 13 passing yards, I think it was, or 14, and and five passing touchdowns. And since then, KJ Costello had one passing touchdown. Your your defense was outscoring your offense. Like think that about that defense
0: it. deserves so much better. It it really does,
1: and and I just think that watching it like that first week, it, I think part of it was because they were in man coverage the entire damn game for some reason. That's all. That's but all of it. They were that. It seemed like everything was on display, it, and where you, where it's like, you know, look at this, like look at this play design where this guy's getting open, and this guy is is, is running this route and blah blah blah. The the fact that um, KJ Costello has regressed this much, and this offense has regressed this much, or teams have caught up to it. Is terrifying. They don't throw the ball downfield. Every, everything is like a five-yard dump route. Uh, it, that's not going to Or when work. they do,
0: it gets picked off.
1: Yeah. And so I just – I I think that – I don't know. What's going on with Kylan Hill? That's a question I have for other people. Yeah. I don't, what did, Reportedly what
0: suspended. I, I had been hearing rumors during the week. And this is – you know, I, I I don't want to say this is fact or anything like that. There was a couple stories going around. One, that he was – uh, one that he was kicked off the team on Monday and then returned on Wednesday. Um, he was tweeting during the game, cheering on his yeah. teammates and stuff like that. So we don't know his status moving forward. Mike Leach said that it's just we're, we still don't know what exactly that's going to be. Um, so that's that's not ideal at all when your best player and right. your coach clearly don't get along. That like that's let's call it what it is. Whether no matter who's to blame, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, it baffles me that even even without Kylan Hill. How in the world is this matchup not better for Mississippi State? And this just shows you everything that's wrong with Mike Leach's stubbornness right now. Because A&M was second worst in FBS in yards per attempt allowed. They were averaging over 10 yards per attempt. That secondary had been terrible. We talked about it. We talked about it coming in. And it didn't matter. And instead, Mike Leach decides, "Ah, I'm going to give the tailbacks a combined 10 carries. This game. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to stick with the air raid. We're just going to keep throwing the ball 40-plus times. No big deal. Sooner or later, sooner or later, you have to be willing to say, I'm going to run the ball against a three-man front. I'm going to be willing to do it. I know the air raid is the brand, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse because it's the exact same thing that we talked about coming into this matchup. But Mississippi State's defense is balling right now and playing really, really well. And they've been put in so many tough spots with all these turnovers and stuff like that. And I, I am just baffled to see the lack of adjustments that continue to be made when it's not just a one-off. You have three straight weeks of looking god-awful. Yep. Awful on the offensive standpoint. And if they don't figure it out, man, this is a 2-18 and eight team at best.
1: Yeah, I, and I think, which is what I said before the season started, just want to remind everyone. But um, <laughs> I, I think that it's this thing is <sighs> – it could it could be turned around for sure. They the offensive line is a huge part of this. You're right. Oh, it um, is absolutely. But this could also implode and and end very quickly in Starkville, in my opinion, because th- like you know the Moorhead thing with him, you know this Yankee, my Yankee ass, and or whatever. Your words, how, your words. They, not they, mine. They were, well, it was his words, but you know like they were they were butting <laughs> heads, and all that kind of stuff, like from a personality standpoint. But Mike Leach, when you want to talk about like a. a strong personality that doesn't give a shit. God dang it Chris like what you think um, like this could go south really quickly because I, I'm trying to find it right now on Twitter but there was there was something somebody posted yesterday I saw Mississippi State fans where the, the team was like completely out on the field whether it was before or after the game and Leach had just left, gone to the locker room, but like, was not gonna participate. Like he just and, and They're running reps
0: after the game on on the field. I saw Tyler Horka tweeted that out that they were they were running reps with the offense. They're trying to get it figured out. So like right. I, I don't wanna but make wasn't it this there, seem right? like it's all an effort thing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. I, don't,
1: I it's definitely not an effort thing. I just think that this guy is he's been known to do this at places and, and like where he will alienate himself and others like on the team and, and like single out people and and, and like not that he doesn't accept the like responsibility or blame, but he he will call out players and 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 people that he he thinks deserve the blame uh, for what's going on. And I I just think that with what is what has already happened, how quickly this has turned around. Because Mike Leach, when he's happy, Mike Leach is like a drunk stepdad. He he's like when he's when he's sober and winning and fun. God, he's fun. Takes you to Six Flags. A lot of fun to be around. Drunk uncle. When he's drunk, you're like. This guy sucks. It, like just talking about Nam or whatever. I just I, like he's he's not fun to be around. And we're seeing the two sides of that personality um, when he wins and loses. Like right now, it, it is it's it's tough to watch from the outside looking in because you want it, you want him to succeed and you want it to be fun. Like it wasn't. Week I one. want to
0: see the air raid do do good things. I don't want to watch this every single week. Like for, no. for what it's worth, I don't have a rooting interest. I love offense. I want to see Mike Leach's air raid actually have these moments. I want to see more of these flashes of it where you're like, oh, this is different. This is special. These last three weeks have sucked watching Mississippi awful. State. Every single you turn, every single time you turn them on, you're like, this offense feels like it is never going to score a point. And I feel so bad for Mississippi State fans that have to put up with this. But this is kind of what you signed up for when you have a coach like this that is so married to this philosophy, even though clearly yeah. he does not have the personnel to execute his system in year one. Exactly a m by the way, 3-1 and one right now. Had oh, yeah, we should talk about a and <laughs> uh, not necessarily a banner day um, from an offensive standpoint with Kellen Mond, but a team that was 2-7 in true Mon road line. games. Yeah, very, very Kellen Mond line. But Isaiah Spiller and Aeneas Smith, that's the offensive identity yep. right there. And that's the fun thing for this group. Isaiah Spiller is taking that next step, and <sighs> Aeneas Smith is such a unique weapon out of that backfield. The exact okay. thing that that offense needed to be able to keep some teams Off balance. Yeah. So happy for that.
1: I am too. So Aeneas Smith, like, especially when you think about the guys that opted out at the start of the year, Aeneas Smith, Isaiah Spiller's been great, I think, because he is great, but also because Aeneas Smith, it's really been awesome to watch.
0: Shout out Michael Bratton, by the way, who had that call in the preseason about him being kind of the guy that nobody's really talking about in the SEC, that tailback who's going to make that big step. Aeneas Smith has been the real deal for that group. Shout out and, um, Michael Bratton
1: for saying that Steve Sarkeesian was the ninth best play call in the SEC too. I'll just go ahead Heal. And say that. Heal. Regardless, regardless, no, real quick though, it like Isaiah Spiller. Somebody asked us last night, and, and they, they said who is the best running back in the SEC? And and That's I great question. I the first thing I said was, We just watched the Bama game, so I think Najee's my, still the my best. I my mind is is to say Najee, but giving it a fair at like, you know, approach, Isaiah Spiller... Three games over 100 yards, three games he averaged he averaged over six yards of carry against against a defense that was allowing what, like, 2.4 I think yards of carry or something like that. Yeah, that
0: Mississippi State defense has been really good against the run, and he was so bad against good competition yep. last year. And in part, you could say it's the offensive line and stuff like that. The vision just wasn't there. Still had over a thousand yards as a true freshman, but he has definitely surprised me, and he has been much better than yep. what I was expecting. And good for that A and M ground game. The remaining schedule for AM, who is now three and one, oh, they got a bye week coming up. Then they have Arkansas. Then they are at South Carolina, at Tennessee, home against Ole Miss, home against LSU, at Auburn. I look at that schedule, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm still like I'm still a little bit in wait and see mode. I still want to see that consistency for an entire year because I don't think that they've truly turned the corner until we can see them beat good teams on right. the road. Don't get me wrong. But there's not a single game on that schedule moving forward that you're like, yeah, that's a loss, no doubt no. about it. And that's that's different. That in itself is at least different. So I'm gonna. I, I gave Jimbo Fisher a lot of crap a couple weeks ago for how they looked against Bama and how they looked to start the to start the season. Th- that that in itself seems like a little bit of a victory as we near the
1: halfway point of the season. I, I was trying to find it real quick of, of what it is, but um, they they have. Odds—they—they they now have odds to win the the SEC championship again, like good odds. Peter Burns
0: said they have the most favorable path to the playoff because they could theoretically get to nine and one and be on the outside looking in for the SEC championship and be kind of that second SEC team, in, Which I—I I, I laughed at a little bit and I'm still not all on board with that. But when you kind of look at that and you and you wonder if they are figuring out their offensive identity, eh, you know what I? <laughs> That's not as crazy as at least no, it once sounded.
1: No, not at all. And I, I think that there's a very good chance that that they could be in that conversation. And that's what I kept trying to say at the start of the year of, of like, actually, we don't need to get into that. It sounds like I'm like just patting myself on all my oldest takes. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I just think that the way this sets up, and this is a team that it, just a few things go their way, like like we saw yesterday. And again, props to, to, to Spiller in that run game because – we saw it against AM when everything, or against Florida, when everything was clicking with, with the offense, and Bond was able to throw the ball well and all that kind of stuff too. But but when you really needed it, like yesterday, against a good defense, he was able to step up, and, and he's been really, really, like, I think, the catalyst for that team.
0: All right. What do you say we close out with some Sunday
1: apologies, Marler? I've it. got a few.
0: I've got a few. I've got three. One of them you're going to like. Let's get okay. to it. We'll, we'll drop the music. Drop the music. The Alabama defense. You know, as you said, it was awful last week. If you were trying to talk to someone who was in the hospital last week and didn't see how they played against yep. Ole Miss, you would have a really tough time saying that that was the same group that struggled so badly. Yeah. But you know what? That Alabama defense picked off Stetson Bennett three times. They allowed zero second-half points. Pete Golding, the guy who everybody, he's, he's the whipping boy. He's the guy when things are going wrong, they like to be able to put it all on him, and when things are going right, they like to give all the credit to Saban. I'm going to give Pete Golding a little bit of credit too because you know that he had some more responsibilities this week with Saban out of commission for at least a couple days. I know he was still on Zoom, but that Alabama defense, I'm sorry because I had my doubts, and I thought that Georgia was going to be able to, to storm back and win that game. So apologies to the Alabama defense. Will Muschamp, I said that South Carolina would find a funny way to blow it. You can just picture it. South Carolina is going to find a way to lose a game to Auburn with, like, kicking a pointless field goal late or coming up with some dumb penalty. And Will Muschamp's going to lose his mind, and they're going to be 1-3. and three. Nuh-uh. That didn't happen. That defense buckled down late. They made Bo Nix look like the butt of the joke with that run-scramble attempt at the end of the game, which was one of the dumbest plays you could possibly make with a game on the line. I don't know what Bo Nix thought he was doing in that spot. But... Congratulations to Will Muschamp because that is not the ending that I expect from South Carolina given the way that things have gone recently. Yeah. And I got one more. I got one more. And this is, you know what? Shout out Tyler Hawk. Winning and boozing. Yeah. I've given Florida State a lot of crap on this podcast. The yeah. do something, hashtag in the marketing and the way that they're so yeah. full of themselves, even though they've been god awful for the last four years. Florida State takes down number five, North Carolina. And people are going to say, ah, North Carolina was, was overrated and they were a team that didn't deserve to be number f- number five in the country. I, I get all that. But Florida State showed up. And Florida State held on when it looked like they were just going to choke their way to an embarrassing loss and it was going to be more shame in Tallahassee. So you know what? Florida State, who has been terrible to start the year. They, yeah. they finally had their quarterback with Jordan Travis. Florida State, golf clap. Golf okay. clap. Okay. You weren't an embarrassment this week.
1: Um, that was the worst compliment you could have given. Um, that was so nice. One, we're gonna we should bring back winning and boozing this week. Uh for what do you call it? For for Bama, Tennessee.
0: Hoping to get a special guest on the podcast. Hoping to get a very special guest.
1: We'll see. You told me who it was, I can't remember. Well we'll talk about it later. Okay, fine, fine. Um all right, my Sunday apologies. Kentucky's defense. And Mark Stoops in general. I, I man, I, I flat out. Put your said, money in this bank. I've over I am over believing in what Kentucky could have been and was supposed to be. I'm, I'm done believing in fairy tales. And I, I, I said two weeks ago, my dumbass came on here thinking that all of these stats and numbers that I was pulling really mattered. After two weeks of the season, I thought all of those things were concrete things that were going to affect the outcome of the game, and I couldn't have been more wrong. And that defense that I thought was overrated in the offensive line and what, whatever, man, y'all just find ways to win and, and like two weeks in a row where the offensive numbers may not be great but that defense, that defense that Cole Kubrick said he would, out of any team in the country, he wouldn't want to get into a, a back alley street fight with that's a weird way to put it, but I agree with him, and and I'll say I couldn't have been more wrong about the secondary and and, and I'm sorry I doubted you coach because you know we love you on this podcast and, uh, and so I'm sorry to Kentucky's defense and Mark Stoops um, Auburn fans I am sorry that I that I walked back any of my comments about Bo That was dumb. That was really dumb. <laughs> this is like me with Florida State right now. But I'm also I'm also sorry that I have ever scoffed at the the idea of you guys thinking Gus should be gone. On the, he should be on the hot seat constantly like all last year and then this year and all of those things. Because after that person pointed out yesterday that the eight and five and then giving him an extension because of a surprise Bama win. That was spot on. And we are looking at the same thing. And I, and I think you guys have every right to still be upset. And I am sorry that I thought that it was dumb of you to, to do so. And, and and I think there's a lot of legitimacy to Auburn fans uh, gripes about about Gus Malzahn now. Um, UGA fans, I am sorry for yesterday. That was tough way to lose. And I'm sorry that I built you guys up to the, being the best defense in the college football in the past decade, I
0: feel like we're getting a little bit off track no, with I our answers here. Because,
1: because listen, listen, I think that I, I was I was very fearful going into the game. I, I had a, a I got a text from two of my best friends, Jeff Colby, Aaron Clark, and they said, "This is why we don't ever trust your predictions on Bama or betting advice from Bama because it's always based out of fear." And that might have happened. I meant maybe I was a little bit fearful, and this this defense wasn't where I thought it was. That being said also sorry for for anyone that put a lot of stock into what happened yesterday because they're gonna have to play again keep your heads up okay and, and there you go sorry for anything I said I was drunk to last but not least a very special apology goes out to Nick Saban I'm sorry I doubted you I, I just I mean I don't know what I was thinking I made a 22-1 graphic last night during the game Connor I missed part of the third quarter because I was I was trying to Photoshop and crop a, a photo of Kirby into a twenty. You're trying to do a
0: little reverse Jinx there.
1: No, I was just trying to do my job, and I thought that would be yeah. a great, a yeah. great uh, social media graphic to post. But I'm, i I thought that, you know, I didn't think the Dynasty was dead, but I had doubts that this was going to be able to happen. I thought I knew who the best team was, and it wasn't going to be Alabama at times, and and that it wouldn't make halftime adjustments, and that you being away for a full week would somehow not make this team hungry enough to go out and win, or that you wouldn't be able to stop stuff. Man, I could not tell you how sorry I am. Oh, and last but not least, I'm sorry to the guy that found the false positive uh, from savings testing because you're going to be, uh, you got to be unemployed like within three days. Bottom line. So that, that person's in hiding right now. There's Without no doubt we'll, we'll yeah. ever find but their but identity. Those are my apologies. It's a lot of apologies. Love you guys. A lot of
0: apologies. Let's guess the week five SEC lines. Only four games. The SEC had to do some schedule shuffling. No Florida in action. Instead, we are left with four games. Marler is turning on NFL because it was currently 103. Appreciate that. I'm You're sure welcome. your ADD is going to be totally fine I'm here. fine.
1: I took my medicine today. We're good.
0: Auburn, Ole Miss. Hey, small, small spread on this one. I got to think Auburn is going to be like one and a half point favorite
1: in Oxford. On the road? On yeah, the road. I mean, so I will say it will be – that's uh... – I wonder what the over-under will be on this. I, by the way, I told you that that over... Uh, side note real quick, from now on, when I do any kind of gambling, I'm just going to go with what I first look at and think are good picks because I said that Arkansas will Miss under was the play. There's no way they get getting 76 points. Anyway, moving back. I don't know what the over-under is going to be on this game. I think that'll be really interesting. The spread, I think, will be just like South Carolina. Three three points. Because Ole Miss lost what? as well. So, three, three and a half. True. This is true.
0: Alabama-Tennessee game that you might have a little bit of interest in. Just just a thought. Bama's going to be a big favorite. And Bama's going to be at least a three-score favorite in Knoxville. The defense, though, the Tennessee defense will keep this maybe a little bit smaller. A little bit smaller. They also haven't seen an offensive attack like what Alabama is, and that's the problem. Yeah. 19-point favorite for Alabama. Ooh,
1: 17-and-a-half. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. It's gonna be fun. Oh, I also got asked to write another um, ten most memorable moments, but only instead of from the whole rivalry, from just the winning streak. So that's like really my sweet spot.
0: Marler doing doing writing. How about that? Versatile. Kentucky, Mizzou. This game was part of the schedule shuffling. Um, very interesting to see this is Kentucky defense against Connor Basil. I think that's a an intriguing mm-hmm. matchup. I think Kentucky with the momentum that Wait, it has these the last Kentucky's couple. of play Mizzou. Kentucky's playing Mizzou, right? I got that right. They're playing Georgia.
1: Isn't no that wasn't that that was postponed, wasn't it? I I didn't know. That. I mean, you I trust you over me on that, but I am looking at the schedule I have in front of me. That's why I kept saying all that stuff earlier about where their schedule is going to be headed. Well, now we got
0: it's okay. Saturday Saturday was a bit of a blur, a bit of a blur. We can we can admit that. Yeah. Um I had, I had Kentucky. Wait, did I did I lose track of this? Is this, is
1: this No, it possible? says Kentucky-Missouri. What the hell is happening? Yeah. You know, all the, the stuff that shuffled. I said. Okay, all the stuff that I said earlier about how this, this was going to all play out with Kentucky's schedule is different then. Um, okay, yes, it is so different. There you
0: go. It is different. But Kentucky, I think, is going to be a favorite at, at Mizzou, which Kentucky road favorite in the SEC, not the most common thing. But I'm going to say Kentucky is a four-point favorite on the road.
1: I think that that is, I'll say, oh, LSU is 20. I'll say that they will be a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And okay. I, after all the praise that I just heaped on to Kentucky and, and, and stuff that I apologize for, I would jump on, on Mizzou right away.
0: Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou coming off of the uh, COVID-related. Yeah, get a uh, week, week off now. Yeah, get a week off. No big deal. Just Eli Drinkowitz cooking you know Yum. um last game south carolina lsu great cornerback matchups in this one yeah shy smith Derek stingley and even better probably is terrace marshall against jc horn that's is, is Derek great. stingley the
1: third best cornerback on the field this game you got to ask yourself you really got to ask yourself with this defense if Derek stingley if is he's the healthy, third best if i'm kidding he's I'm healthy he's the best in america jc horns the good
0: yeah, there you go. You got it down now. You got it uh, down. LSU is still going to be a home favorite. Yeah. But not that much. Not that much. I think LSU, with the way that defense is playing, man, I, I think they can only be a seven-point favorite at home.
1: I was going to say six-point favorite. Um, and the the over here will also be interesting. I think it'll be in the 60s because of how bad the defense has been. Um, but another situation, too, where I think Vegas will, will take into effect, if, if this line comes out low, because – People are still going to want to innately believe in in LSU, and they're at home, and you know because they won the national championship last year, and they've been able to put up points. But with South Carolina coming off a win, I wonder if we'll see the opening line have a lot of value, like we did mm. with Ole Miss this week, and and uh, yep. whatever the other one was too, that that had like more recency bias involved. So I think that'll be interesting. You could be right. That that's also interesting too. Like
0: could be could be actually set up really well for this lsu defense struggling you get a week to be able to figure things out and then you could just have derek stingley shadow shy smith and they haven't had those receiver options step up so should should have a a significant advantage for lsu plan for this upcoming week hopefully is to get on a very special guest um don't want to reveal that just yet oh works of that you know who that is i don't want to reveal that just yet though just in case something falls through you just never know so marler Matt Luke, who stopped by today, he was very nice to stop by today. It was very nice. Um, yeah. Make sure you follow all of our uh, forms, social media. Follow all things Saturday dot football newsletter. Um, definitely go do all of those things. And oh yeah. If
1: you do hold on, do all those things, and if if one of you says anything negative about the puppy pics, if you don't like puppies and puns, don't follow the, that that. Yeah, well, I, I should have said that. I really upset hey, yesterday. Yet. Hey, really hate, yeah. you're at Paula, like you guys killed it yesterday. The news just constantly pumping out stuff. We had a great week posting stuff for, for every single team. I think that especially now and with, with how great you guys have been, there's only four games, even more hyper focused. Um and shout out to Connor because we to do that again.
0: This week. Busy week, but happy to right in the middle of it. Halfway point of the season coming up. Matt Luke, what do we need to run? I need too much, Connor. Nailed it i box it.